1: Welcome in to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Taylor Vipless, Dewey Burke. Hoping for Justin Jackson to join us here in a minute, but we'll go get rolling. I got the banner at the bottom scrolling because I don't have a a logo for for folks for the postgame, but 63-57, Duke wins in Cameron. Dewey, overall thoughts?
2: My honest assessment is we had no business losing that game. Uh, It's not a very good Duke team, and uh, I just thought – Our transition defense was terrible, uh, sloppy turnovers. And uh, to only score 57 points, you obviously look at your offense and you ask a lot of questions. And we shot 34% in another abysmal night from three-point land. And I'm just frustrated because I just don't think Duke's very good. And we have more upperclassmen and should have better perimeter players. And we have an All-American at the five. And, uh, uh, just, I, I thought we played poorly.
1: Indeed. Vip, uh, to Dewey's point, uh, what were they? Seven for 27 from three point line, two for three from the foul line. Um, overall thoughts before we dig into it.
3: Yeah, it was, Carolina got the game back to 57, 57 late. And you really couldn't have asked for, uh, better shots from a few of the shots they got. Pete Nance. Missed a three would have put them up three. You get a Caleb Love turnover. R.J. Davis' layup gets blocked, and then uh, Duke goes up, and Carolina comes back down, and Leaky misses uh, a three in the corner. It just seemed like this was a game where the moment was a bit too big for for this team as as they're closing out games, and this is now the second consecutive game where we've seen North Carolina struggle executing late and the other team being able to get basically whatever they want and um i i think the most disappointing thing for me was seeing how consistently duke was getting all the 50 50 balls um just growing up you're always taught that's that's essentially an effort thing and Every 50-50 ball seemed like it was going Duke's way. You just have to think to the the last uh, – one of the last possessions where Carolina does a good job defending and they can't finish the possession because Duke gets the offensive rebound. Um, so it, it was another disappointing end to a game where, like Dewey said, I think North Carolina should have and could have won this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like once Carolina got it to 57-all, that experience would pay off. and. The only guy on the court with experience that played that way was Jeremy Roach. there late. Dewey, Vip mentioned the uh, 50-50 balls, and I know that drives you nuts. Um, it doesn't matter how bad you shoot it. It doesn't matter anything else. 50-50 balls are nothing about going to get it and effort and heart and all that stuff. Speak to it, man. <laughs> You're muted, too.
2: The possession that Vip is talking about, is where Flip drove for them, and, and Pete actually played good, solid defense, forced him into an off-balance, contested six-footer. The ball bounced in the middle of the lane. Armando did his job and blocked out Flip. That is Pete Nance's ball to go get. And when they replayed it, when they showed it again, as soon as the shot went up, he turned around. He didn't box out. He was came out of a stance and just watched and there's 36 seconds left in the Duke game at Cameron. I, I just I don't understand that. I I just I can't I can't get there. There was a possession earlier that Caleb should have come up with. It ultimately led to Armando's third foul and free throws for them. Uh, there were numerous times, as Vip said, where we did not win the 50-50 balls, and that's just effort. It's just. It's so frustrating because um, you get a couple more 50-50 balls and make a few shots, you win the game probably handily. And uh, I thought we should have been up 10 to 12 at various points in that game, but we let them hang around, let them hang around and get confidence. Roach got going. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – like I said at the top, I, think, I just think we played poorly.
1: Bring in Justin Jackson here, and this is the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. Justin, can you hear me? I think you might be muted, or I guess you're on your phone. Um, I'll go back to you, VIP, while you're texting with him. Uh, to to Dewey's point, uh, fifty. What'd you say? Thirty-five seconds left in the Duke Carolina game. That ball just gets away and just lays there on the floor. I mean, that's on the ground. That is a. Uh, that's one of those moments that I think, you know, I don't even know how to put it, Vip. I'll let you try to do it, and hopefully we can get Justin in here and get his take on it.
3: Yeah, it's it's just frustrating if, if you care about um, Carolina basketball. Um, this is a team that has a ton of experience. We've talked about it before, that it's hard to put this team in a game where they're seeing something that they, they haven't seen before. Um, so when – You do have situations like the Pitt game or or like the Duke game where uh, a team is out executing them, out hustling them. It it is frustrating. And um, it's things that you would hope get corrected when it's a it's a team that's that is as old as this Carolina
1: team. All right, Justin, you got me. Can you all hear me, man? I can we can hear you. We can hear you. We got your uh, little outline on the screen that vibrates when you talk. So, just overall thoughts on what you saw tonight. I mean, you played the game fairly recently. Um, it doesn't seem like many games like you played in, um, at least from the Carolina side. What'd you see?
0: Um, I think I think what y'all were talking about a little bit earlier, as far as competing. I think that kind of has been their um, one of their Achilles' heels all season. Um, you just kind of see lapses in there where guys either don't, you know, make a box out or guys don't, um, you know, compete enough on the defensive end. Um, and you kind of saw that those last couple of plays down the stretch. Um, I, I think for the most part, um, you saw them compete how they were supposed to compete, but I think honestly, you got to give some of those guys on, on Duke's team credit as much as, you know, North Carolina fans might not want to, um, the way that lively played um, on the defensive end and really honestly kind of slowed down um, their biggest strength, which is Mondo down low. Um, I think that was kind of the, the, the biggest tale of the whole entire game. Um, But I think offensively shot selection is just, it's, it's at times, um, just extremely poor and it causes issues on the defensive end because, um, you know, players are upset or, you know, a bad shot a lot of times turned into a transition uh, opportunity for the other team because guys aren't ready for the shot that's taken or it's a bad miss or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, it was definitely a tough one to watch for sure.
3: Yeah. Go- going off that point about the Duke team that Justin made, um, the two biggest things that I kind of noticed, well, three, Proctor was a lot better than I think I've seen from him this year. Um, giving uh, giving Duke another option um, at that guard position and kind of taking some of the pressure off of Roach. I think Roach has developed into you know an outstanding player. Carol, he was getting Carolina into a bunch of ball screen scenarios and Carolina was just trailing on his hip for, for most of the night. and he was, he was making them pay with with great decision making. He, he scores 20 points, eight of 20, uh, pretty efficient. And then like Justin said, um, Lively's rim protection was the MVP. He he really negated any kind of impact that Armando Bacot could make. It, it's the same thing that we talked about last time, but a, a different scenario where Pitt was basically just throwing everything that they had at Armando Bacot, but this time Duke had elite rim protection that was negating him. Uh, Bacot gets two points in the second half and Carolina fans are like, it's it's not that hard. Just run plays for Baycott. When you have somebody like Lively who finished with, he almost had a double-double just off rebounds and blocks. He had eight blocks, the most blocks ever against somebody in this UNC Duke game. Um, it you, It's not as simple as you're saying run plays for Baycott when somebody is just having elite rim protection down there.
2: Yeah. Lively two a, for three. I have a question. Sorry, I have a question for Justin. Um, you and I both played for Coach Williams. We know how much he emphasized run, 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 run. Play in transition. Play with pace. This team does not play with pace. I mean, I don't even know if you had a game in your career where we scored fifty-seven points. I doubt <laughs> it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, what? How do you? How do you reconcile that when you watch? these guys. Now, obviously part of it's getting stops and forcing turnovers, which we didn't force a lot of turnovers, but we got enough stops. It's not like they shot the ball very well. What would they shoot? Uh, 39%? Nope. We don't run at all.
0: Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I, I think it kind of goes back to kind of the, um, you know, the, the competing on the defensive end. I think at times throughout the season, whenever you've seen this team play their best basketball, Um, whether it's been at the end of the game, whenever they're trying to come back or whatever it is, it's whenever they're up, pressuring the ball, full court, when they're trapping the ball, when they're just way more engaged defensively. Um, And because that automatically gets them out in transition um, and, and is allowing them to get easy buckets for us. Like when, when, when I was at school playing under coach Williams, our biggest strength wasn't even necessarily our half court offense. Like our biggest strength was just, getting out and running and then offensive rebounding. And I think with this team, because they don't necessarily compete at the level that they, you know, have shown at times throughout the season, the whole entire game, they don't allow those opportunities in transition to see an easy one go in to kind of get the defense, you know, tired in certain ways. I think a lot of times when you see them in the half court, that's why you see them, you know, almost chunk up, you know, a ton of step back threes or or tough mid-range pull-ups because, The defense is set, you know, they haven't been moving very much. Um, And so I think that's just the biggest difference. You know, defense is always connected to offense. And if you're not competing on that end and you're just kind of sitting back and they're getting whatever they want and you're not able to get out and get some easy ones and kind of get the momentum in your side, then you're always playing an uphill battle. Um, So I think that's just the difference. Like Coach Williams would randomly throw in there just a random trap in the half court. Or he would randomly throw a full court trap, which would kind of speed them up. Maybe you get a turnover. Maybe you get an easy bucket on the other end. Um, but here you just kind of see them sitting back, letting Duke run whatever they want to run. And so then either they're taking the ball out of the basket or the team's getting a shot that they want to get. And then they're having to fight for a rebound. And then they're bringing it up, you know, to play half court offense.
3: Yeah, from my perspective, too, the the lack of uh, a transition offense is disappointing. But the the transition defense is almost just as bad. That that first half, you had guys like gambling at the free throw line, or you had guys shooting the ball at the three point line, and they were just getting raced up and down the court early. The the fast break points wound up finishing twenty to two, um, and when you, you're sh- twenty to two, Carolina only shoots three free throw attempts the entire game. Duke shoots fifteen. Like. The, the fact that Carolina was tied 57-57 um, I think kind of speaks to how this Duke team is down compared to most years and how winnable that this game was for Carolina despite some of those numbers trending you know, so heavily towards Duke's side.
1: Yeah, let me ask you this question for you, Justin, and then you, Dewey. A play that sticks out to me, um, we're talking about transition defense, is – and correct me if I'm wrong, and it was in the second half, Leaky takes a three from the top of the key. He steps in where he's got Filipowski, Filipowski on him, and he takes off. He's got a, a runaway layup. Is that how it's supposed to work? I mean- no, no, that's on,
2: that was on RJ. I know exactly the possession you're talking about. That's on RJ and Kelly. Probably RJ, right, Justin? I mean, he was foul line extended on the left, Three goes up at the top of the key. Leaky should follow his shot. Four and five go to the board, and Caleb goes to the free throw line and off as a rebounder spot. That's on RJ. He didn't rotate back. I mean, for me, unless they teach it different now, but that's how it was for us.
1: That's what's always been interesting to me. Justin, is the same way for you on that play? He might have had to go chase a little kid just like me. Yeah, y'all, boy, it's been an interesting night. What play were
0: y'all talking about again? Sorry, y'all are kind of going in and out on my end.
1: I think Leakey takes a three from the top of the key. He steps in to follow his shot and um releases and gets a layup, an easy layup. And I asked Dewey, who's that on? Yeah. That
0: I mean, I, I think there's a lot of scenarios that you can see um, that just aren't very, uh, I guess I would say, don't really add up for a lot of success. Um You know, even, it, you know, it goes even back to, you know, the whole competing thing is, like, we use that word as, we use it very cliche-like at times. Um, But something as simple as just taking, you know, having your teammates back. You know, you see, I think, one of the biggest ones for me at, at the very end of the game when you're supposed to be the most locked in and covering up for each other the most, the, you know, Duke which was, again, a great play call, but they run a simple slip screen where Filipowski doesn't even touch RJ, right? And Pete is guarding Filipowski, obviously. And we always have this this saying, no screen, no scheme. And doesn't touch, doesn't really even come close to touching RJ. And Roach gets downhill, and RJ just kind of backs up. And whether it's because he had four fouls or whatever it is, there's 40 seconds left in the game. And so in my mind, if I'm playing, if I'm in in R.J.'s position or even if I'm in Pete's position or Mondo on the on the weak side, I'm going to get whatever layup is going at the rim. Whether I get a foul, whether I get whatever, I'm going to get some sort of contest because in my mind, I got to cover up for whether it was R.J.'s bad defense, the miscommunication, whatever it is, I'm going to go help my teammate and go make a play. And instead, you see him get probably the most wide-open layup outside of a transition layup that they had all game. And it was 30 seconds left in the game with a two-point game. And I think those situations right there kind of encompasses what they've done all season, right? It's like, okay, they'll have spurts where, okay, they're really competing. They're really moving the ball offensively. You know, they're really doing what they need to be doing. And then it's like when the time really comes down to, okay, this is winning time. They have a play like that where RJ just kind of backs up, gets his hands away from him, Mondo just stands on the other side of the block and, and Pete is kind of in no man's land, right? And whoever's in the wrong for that play, they'll figure it out. But in my mind, somebody has to make a play. And they just did it. And so and, Duke wouldn't make a play when they needed to.
2: You're so right, Justin. And I mean, you played three years. You probably had three hundred and fifty practices when you were a player at Carolina, give or take. How many of those practices would you say we would finish a five-on-five drill, last drill of practice, with a must stop? Finish the entire practice with a must stop for the white team against the blue team, and that was how we finished practice. How many times did we do that? To we lose them again? He uh, said we're going in my, and out. Yeah, my bad. You said how many times we finish a five-on-five drill? Just in practice for Coach Williams, you know, if we were playing some some oh. version of a five-on-five drill at the end of the last oh, yeah. of practice, I mean, finish that's every drill the thing with is we,
0: we always had a – you know, Coach always called it, you know, it was either score, stop, score, um, or maybe we were working on, you know, stop, score, stop, whatever it is. Um, we would always have a section of just straight up just defense, um, a section of working on our traps or full court – um type scenarios there was always times where we were making sure that you know when it came down to the defensive end of the floor we had gone through those scenarios of practice now obviously I love coach Davis and coach Davis is doing an unbelievable job um so I'm sure he's doing the same thing but it falls onto the players to take whatever it is that they're doing in practice and do that especially when the game is on the line um and I think a big part of it is, you know, for us, Coach Williams, we wouldn't – he wouldn't let us finish until we got it done. You know what I mean? Like, it, like until that, we got the score-stop score. Was was score.
2: That, that was exactly my um, point. We, we yeah, didn't until finish we finished the score-stop score, practice time. wasn't
0: over with. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and that – so that automatically makes you lock in a little bit more and makes you, you know, really pay attention to whatever defense you're in, whatever – you know, whoever you're guarding, whoever you're supposed to be trapping, whatever. Um, and so, you know, whether that's, you know, something that they, you know, didn't do this, you know, up to this game, I know for a fact that coaching staff, their, uh, their competitiveness towards Duke and the NC State games, um, if not any other game, I know they were locked in for this game. Um, so I think it was just a matter of The players, when it came down to to winning time, they were supposed to implement whatever they said, and, you know, obviously they came up short on that.
1: Vip, you got anything? I I want to talk about some positives, but I want to, uh, if there is any. Well, I'll ask you, Justin, what positive comes out of a game like this? Um.
0: I think you can always take positives from a game, Um, you know, even as hard of a game. This is, I think, um, I think for one, you kind of saw uh, Leakey be able to knock down some shots. Um, I think you saw him do a really good job defensively when he was matched up against Filipowski, who is obviously, you know, a very good freshman, um, you know, in college basketball this year. Um, you know, I think, uh, at times you saw them compete. Um, and I think, you know, it is, it is hard to find one. Um, but I think when you look at those types of situations, obviously you, you hope for, you know, Caleb Love and Mondo and RJ, those, you know, those three guys to really come to play. And I think, I think RJ did a pretty good job. foul trouble kind of hurt him a little bit. Um, I think he did a pretty good job. I think Mondo did a pretty good job, especially in the first half. Um, but I mean, I think you can, you know, when you really go back and look at the film, I think you can find some positives. At the end of the game, at the end of the day, it was a six point loss. Really, it was a two point game with, you know, thirty seconds left. Um, so at the end of the day, you gave yourself a chance against, you know, your 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 biggest rival, and um, you just didn't make. A few plays down the stretch, which obviously hurt you um, in a big way, but um, you obviously did what you needed to do you know for this particular game to keep it a two point game with that that little of time left.
1: There are some interesting comments in the chat, but but do we want to ask you um something and this is we can all talk about it, vip, I want to get you in on here. At what point do we look at this team and say they are what they are instead of expecting some sort of switch <laughs> to flip? Dewey, what do you think think
2: there? Yeah, look, obviously that's a very common comment on the message boards that outside of a a five-and-a-half-run game uh, or five-and-a-half-game run in the tournament, this is who we are. um, I don't have any good argument against that, right? I mean, unfortunately, uh, we've had a lot of games where we've shot a very low percentage from three, Uh, Our shot quality has been overall very low. We go away from Armando for extended periods, even just for touches, to have him in the flow. And we have defensive lapses. And you just wouldn't –
4: this is
2: easy to say because Justin's on. But imagine – Isabel, quiet please. Imagine if in 2017, after losing in the national championship in 2016, if Justin and his teammates would like take possessions off and uh, have abysmal, shoot. like we, lo- yeah, we lost games, we lost, but like, it just, I, uh, I struggle with them being so experienced and such upperclassmen and making such inexperienced
1: mistakes. That's very hard for me to understand. <laughs> Justin, get in there. Um, I mean, uh, and then also well, add, add in do the. You environment. want me to
0: hit on that at all, or you? Or no, no, no. no. Uh...
1: Yeah, I want you keep in going. I want you in on that. I want you to talk about that, but I also want you to talk about the environment a little bit over there. Cause I thought Pete looked a little shook all night. Um and that's where I thought the experience of Carolina would pay off. But just speak to that. They are what they are at this point, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I I, I think and, and me and Vip have kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think they were done an injustice to start this to start this season by ranking them number one. Um, and this is why I say that, um, I think a lot of people forget how they were kind of middle of the pack of the ACC last year before they, before that Duke game, um, and before the run that they made in the tournament. And all they viewed was the fact that they were the runner runner up in the national championship. Um, And I think the biggest difference of, I'll say, my team in 2016 and this team losing in the championship was we were really good, if not the best team in the country, second best team in the country, all season long, right? And and this team last year was, at times, it it didn't even necessarily look like they were going to, Make the tournament, um, and so you take away Brady, who was obviously it shows as far as shooting wise goes was one of their biggest pieces on this team. And
2: yeah, I mean, I, I understand what, exactly what he's saying, right? I mean, he, he and he's not wrong. I mean, that 15-16 that team with the players they had was consistently in the top five, and then they carried that into seventeen. I, I just mean, if you, you have that taste, you taste it. You may say the same thing about the 2018, right? They make it to the Final Four and they get waxed by Kansas, but they tasted it. And then you come back and win it the next year. Yeah. And so that's what's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think – t-
0: and then setting your mind to, I'm going to do whatever I need to do personally to help this team to make it back and win the whole thing is totally different. Um, I think it's very easily just to be okay with making it to the national championship game and being okay with being who you are um, and just going into the season thinking that you're going to get right back. Um, So I think there's a big difference and I think we're maybe seeing that their mindset and mentality going into the season wasn't how it should have been coming off of getting that taste of making it to the championship.
3: Yeah, and I think I think when you're kind of talking about it who this team is, like we're we're way past the point of, you know, thinking that this team is has like another gear or or something that they haven't quite shown. I think Justin's right when he says the worst thing that could have happened to this team was being ranked as the preseason number 1 team because every time they lose fans can't get that out of their mind. Like this, how is this team losing? They were the preseason number one team instead of thinking about them for the bigger part of the sample size, where this is who they are, where, and Dewey, we mentioned like the 2017 team, you could, you could go to really any Carolina team in the past where if they had a bad game, those felt like, or, or if they had a bad close to a game, it felt like an outlier where, this is just who this team is like they, they struggle to close out games. Um, They're, they haven't been the best shooting team, especially without Brady Manick. When you look at some of the worst three point shooting teams for North Carolina, I think three of the worst, like four, the past four years. Um, So this is who this team has been trending towards. They had a, an amazing stretch from early March to mid April last year. But for the most part, this is who this team is, uh, a team that is going to get into dogfights and get into these 50-50 type games. And sometimes they'll win, sometimes they won't. But thinking that this team is uh, a top five team in the country is just a pipe dream at this point, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, just watching them, I think that's what's the most frustrating point. And people say, and and people VIP people will say that's, that's an excuse or whatever. But I agree, and I've said it multiple times. This team was an eight seed for a reason last year. They made a heck of a run. Nobody will deny that they made a heck of a run. And But for the last, uh, you know, but for a 10-minute stretch in the national championship game, they win the national championship there. Um, but to Justin and Dewey's point, I think for the fan base and, and for everybody watching, that's what's so hard to understand is you were right there. Like you touched the chalice, right? And you and you for some reason haven't paid off on it. And maybe they're just not that good. And, and I don't know anything. Um, you know, I don't know if I know what I'm talking about, but I know I see a team that I know I see a team that shouldn't have lost to that Duke team tonight, and definitely not the way they lost. Um, Dewey, any closing thoughts and then Justin, you can wrap up after Dewey
2: yeah I think you, you have to say this is this is who we are you know if we have uh, a spurt where we really start to shoot the ball better, it'll change everything. but I don't know what the stats are from the last you know 10 games in the conference, but our percentage from the perimeter is is very low. And if you can't make shots, teams are going to pack it in they're gonna back off leaky. I know he made three threes tonight, but they're not guarding him. Pete's really struggling from the perimeter. Caleb's struggling from the perimeter. RJ the last three games is struggling from the perimeter. And you have nothing off the bench. It's really hard for us to score the basketball. Nothing comes easy offensively. We don't get anything in transition. And so this is who we are. And, look, I'd love to believe they can go on a run like they did last year because they they clearly are capable because they did it. Uh, But it feels further and further away when you – see a game like this and I just I can't get over that we scored 57 points we didn't that wasn't Virginia that's I just 57 points (laughs) close it out Justin
0: yeah I mean I, I think for for me personally um obviously we've all competed at some sort of capacity right like we like even fans at some point have competed in a card game they've competed in you know how fast they can complete a math assignment in middle school. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's competed in some capacity. And I think the hardest thing, um, you know, the 57 points, that's, that is tough, right? Like you're not going to win many games scoring 57 points, especially nowadays. Um, But I think the biggest thing going back to the fact, the, the point that you made about, you know, you, you, you got there, like you had a little taste of it. Why is it that now you're not coming out with, you know, the aggression or the kind of the chip on your shoulder as far as like, okay, they, they took one from us last year, but we want to get back. From experience, that's not easy at all, right? Like that's actually one of probably the hardest things. Coming into a season being an underdog, I would say is probably way easier than coming in being, you know, okay, these guys made it last year. They almost have the same team back. They should be number one in the country, you know, if not right there by the end of the season, but it's a different type of mentality that you have to take going into the season. And, you know, I was, I spent a little time this past summer playing some pickup, you know, kind of hanging out during, you know, during the camps and that kind of stuff. And, there's some really good basketball players on this team, right? Skill-wise, RJ, Caleb, uh, Mondo, guys like that, like they are good, skilled basketball players. But a lot of times it, it, it becomes what's in their own head, right? And, you know, whether it is, you know, outside forces, whether it is, you know, this is just who they are or whatever it might be, The competitive level is what I've had a problem with all season long. You can't make it to a national championship the year before and come out and just lay an egg with almost the same exact team. Right. And so for me, when I look at it, it's y'all just don't have the right mindset. Y'all don't have the mindset of we're going to make it back. And whoever's in our way, they're going to feel the wrath that we have coming off of that loss and so whether it is they have no shooting or whether it is they just can't really score, you're going to find a way no matter what, if you have that mindset. And I think for them to make a run, I'm still going to take the player perspective and, and put my hope that they're going to lock it in towards the end of the season and make a run. Um, but if they're going to make that run, that mentality has to be implemented. And if it isn't, then they're going to be middle of the pack ACC, hope that they can get a little lucky and, and get hot at the right time, you know, but they have to have the right mentality. And so that's my that's that's kind of my last uh, my last thing that I would say, um, hopefully to the team, but also to uh, everybody else that's kind of uh, watching and wondering, you know, why they aren't doing better than what they are.
3: Yeah, Justin, I have a quick question for you following up with that point. When you, when you talk about like the mindset the, the 2017 team had, was that like a, a leadership thing where guys were always reminding people of like the standard that you guys had and, and making sure that other teams were going to get your best shot? Or was that something that you felt was, you know, didn't have to be verbalized because everybody understood like what the goal was?
0: I honestly can't even say that we really talked about it too much. Um, I think uh, the the torch was kind of passed from Bryce and Marcus to myself, Joel, Theo, Kennedy, all everybody that was on that team. Um, but there still wasn't ever really a conversation of like, "All right, guys, like, you know, we really have to push to try to make it back." It was literally. And whether it was this is another thing, too, like basically everybody goes to UNC for the most part, um, especially highly recruited guys. They're going there to make it to the NBA. Right. And so from a selfish standpoint. For me personally, when I went into the draft and and kind of put my name out there and I got information back of what I need to get better at selfishly, it was like, okay, I'm going to work my butt off this season because that's my end goal is to make it to the NBA. But while I'm here, whatever it is that I work on and get better at is going to do nothing but help our team. And so I think that's how everybody's mindset was going in, whether it was Theo, whether it was Joel, whether it was Kennedy, um, whether it was Isaiah, whoever it was, I think they just had that mindset. Like, all right, let's go to work. Um, And if we can go to work and if we can get better individually, then as a team, then we're just going to have even more success. And so I don't even know. It was almost like a, an unwritten deal. Like everybody just – we never talked about necessarily making it back. The only time we ever talked about that was when Coach Williams pulled us in and everybody saw it on the end-of-the-year video where he was talking about he had goosebumps because we had enough talent to make it back. That was really the only time that we ever talked about it. Um, but everybody just knew we have to put the work in to make it back. And so we did that, and hopefully this team can – you know somehow realize that and tomorrow wake up and it just hits home okay this is what we got to do and they go out there and do that
1: yeah it's not uh it's not fun to have the graffiti or the graffiti the confetti to fall on your head you want to get that memory <laughs> out of it. never um, so so last question i said i was going to wrap it up but last question do we i just want people to understand what we're talking about is not a talent thing right this what they need to do is is not talent based. Please explain that to some folks, because in the chat, people are saying, you know, that oh8 team had a ton more talent. The seventeen team had a ton more talent. None of the stuff we've talked about is talent based, right? No.
2: And, and look, I, you're right. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that this team is on par from a talent perspective because they aren't. I mean, Justin and Theo are NBA players, and uh, Tony, obviously, NBA player. Um, and then plenty of NBA players on that uh, on that 9 team. Um, it's just about the way certain things happen on the floor that my perception is they just wouldn't have happened with that 2017 team that Justin was on and that 2019. We're referencing them because they lost in the final four of the national championship. That's why we're saying this, just like last, this team did last year. I know we don't have Brady, uh, but it goes back to what we said. If you tasted that, if you you had a feeling of what it's like to be one of the last four standing, you would think you would kill, kill to get back there and play one more half better. And you just don't at times see that when you watch this team play. That's what we're saying. Um, and that's, that's the struggle that the fans and – and everyone has is is not knowing what you're going to get out of this team. And uh, 57 points. We got we got <laughs> we got to score the ball better, guys. I mean, what what do we? I mean, I'm struggling with that one. I know I keep saying it, but Duke's not very good. They're not ranked. Wish we were 57 points.
1: They're not. VIP, you got anything to close us out? No, I think it's all been said. It has all been said. Duke 63, North Carolina. As Dewey said, 57 points. What are we doing? <laughs> 57 points. Uh, it, it was an interesting one. Fun show to do with the guys. I feel like, you know, the old man sitting there talking to all the famous guys. So I appreciate Justin Jackson, Dewey <laughs> Burt, and, of course, Taylor Vipless on the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. Shout out to Johnny T-shirt and the 450 or so people that have been here listening to those guys make it plain for you. As always, we'll be back next time. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you.